Wow. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I brought a message that was titled, Yet, Y-E-T, Yes, Even Today. Uh, and I was speaking of how I have been seeing, and I am still seeing, people of all ages, children through adults, through what's going on around them right now, just losing hope. Um, and just not just losing hope, but beginning to believe that the future is so unsure that they are becoming insecure. And um, I, I talked about how the devil, this is, this is the devil's primary purpose. Straight out of the scriptures, John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You know, if, he can, if he can steal our peace, he can kill our day, and if he can steal and kill our hope, then he can destroy us. You know, you can live, I can't remember the exact numbers, but you can live a certain number of days without food. I think it's like 41 or 42. You can, it's way significant less days without water. It's somewhere between three and five or something like that. But you know what? If you have no hope, like literally no hope, then life ends. I mean, you can live without limbs. You can live with partial organs. But without hope, Life ends. Sounds like the kids are having a good time, doesn't it? But when we look at the whole passage, like it's up on, the, up on the slide there, when you look at the whole message of this John chapter 10, verse 10, there is hope because Jesus counters immediately. And he says, but I have come that you will have life and that more abundantly. I love that. But I have come. I love how Jesus does that. I, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke into the it is written principle. Um, uh, that Jesus taught us by his own example when he was tested. When I was putting my notes together, I got kind of excited by the fact that Jesus got tested. We're not on our own here. We are not on our own. Someone online, you are not on your own. Even Jesus himself got tested. So if you're going, woe is me, I'm being tested, I'm being tested, you are in really good company. The Son of God got tested. So that's good company to be in. But you know what? Over the last couple of weeks, I have strongly felt that I wasn't finished with that message. That uh, there still needed to be some more teaching into this. So this morning, I'm going to be teaching into what I've called a practice level. So I'm going to probably start by teaching, but chances are I'm going to get my preach on. <laughs> so, yeah. See, there's a big gap in front of me. This is the moist air zone. <laughs> Do you want me to wear this while I'm preaching? <laughs> so what, is, what do I mean by I'm going to teach into our practice? Like, yeah, our practice, that's how we live, that's how we play, that's how we work. How, that's, that's your practice. You are known, we are known by our practice. How we live, how we work, how we play. And you know what? This is actually a really, really large part of Jesus' teaching. In John 16, verse 33, of the message translation, this is what it says. This is what Jesus said. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. You know what? If there is a time right now where people need to be unshaken, assured and deeply at peace, it's, it's right now, isn't it? We all need this. And so today's message, I've entitled it, Power to Live Today. Power to Live Today. Because you know what? There's some people that need some power and uh, Genesis and Marlboro Lines are not going to help. Genesis might. 
well, Genesis 1, chapter 1. Yeah, then we could go to that Genesis. That's right. We could go to that Genesis. Thank you, Mike. Sir. <laughs> so, are you ready? My goal by the end of this message is that you will be armed with tools and strategies that will enable you, in the life-changing power of God, to have access through that with the Holy Spirit. So again, I ask, are you ready? Okay. Well, if you are, then if you're feeling bold this morning, I'd like you to pray this with me. Next slide, please, Josh. Here we go. Father God, I want everything you have for me. I surrender my life. And I invite the power of the Holy Spirit to fuel my life from this day forward. I am ready to do what you ask me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I ask, are you still ready? <laughs> Come on, if you're a Marine or a Navy SEAL, you'd be going, hoorah, hoorah. <laughs> you know what that stands for? You know what stands for? Heard and understood. There we go. So maybe we should start a new trend. Yeah, oh, that would take me back to my military days. It's all right. I'm, it's just a dream to be a Navy SEAL. Anyway, now maybe you thought that was a, a bold prayer or maybe too, too bold. But you know the Bible? The Bible is really big on being bold. If you've got your phones, take them out right now and take a photo of this screen, this slide. It's slightly out of focus. It is slightly out of focus. I'm not too sure what I can do about that. But there are 40 Bible verses there. On boldness. Boldness is biblical. Boldness is not self-talk. It's not psychobabble. It's actually biblical. But however, no matter how bold and no matter how prepared you think you could be, we can actually only go so far on our own. The truth is, not only have we sinned, but we also fall short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, out of the message translation, puts it this way. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. You may have heard the shorter version of that out of the New King James. It says, for all have, sh all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There is a pause there. We've all sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. It's true. When we, when we feel overwhelmed or intimidated, when what we are facing seems so much larger than we are, we, we, begin to, we begin to see our shortcomings. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's what you do with what you see. There's nothing wrong with seeing and acknowledging if you've got a shortcoming. It's what you do with that. There's good news, and there's a promise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the people in Corinth. Verse 9 of chapter 12 from the Passion Translation says this, But he answered me, My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness, weaknesses, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. Now that's not just Christianese Bible yabber. That is the absolute truth. Come on, let's, with a show of hands, if there's anyone here this morning 
who maybe you've been going through the soup and you fall on your knees before God or maybe you just simply fall on your face in his lap and you just cry out to God and as you're leaning on God, you feel the power of God coming in beside you. Anyone, anyone else experience that? In your weakness, the more deeply the mighty power of Christ lives within and works on your behalf. Of course, the Apostle Paul could say that very, very well and very honestly because you know, we don't have time to unpack all the stuff that he went through. Shipwrecks, you know, thrown off cliffs, chased out of town, starved. And so when he comes before God, God says, it's okay, Paul. My grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. It's God's grace that is sufficient for us. It's his power that's made perfect even when we feel weak, ill-equipped, and at times... Utterly inadequate. Utterly inadequate. 2 Timothy chapter 1, again, the Apostle Paul writing to his young apprentice uh, in verse 6 and 7. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given what? A spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Another version says power, love, and a sound mind. They both kind of go together. Self-discipline and sound mind go together. You know what? When you're going through the soup, you don't turn away from God, but you turn to Him, and you fan into flame. I'm, I, I, I went to Cubs and Scouts as a young fella, and I was always the first one at the fire and the last one at the fire. Matt, block your ears. I think I'm a shadow pyromaniac. <laughs> but it's okay, I don't burn down buildings. I just like campfires. And in the, the dark of the night, I like throwing pine cones in and sparks going up in the heat. And, but come on, when you've got just a little ember, my, <laughs> my dad, who was a school teacher, never stopped teaching, even when he retired. And we had a rule in our house that if you couldn't light the fire with one match, you weren't allowed to light the fire. And you know what? Even now, <laughs> my wife is nodding. Even now, in the morning when I get up and I go to the fire, if there's an ember, I won't use a match. <laughs> Even now, it's like, Dad, you'd be so proud of me. <laughs> you'd be so proud of me. I'm still just trying to prove myself to my dad, I guess. But you can, you can start a big fire just by blowing on an ember. Fan it into flames. Fan it into flames. Fan it into flames. You know, when we have the power of God come into our lives, He doesn't come like some sort of polyfiller and fill in the gaps where we fall short. No, 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 no. He empowers us completely by equipping us with power, love, and self-discipline through His Holy Spirit in us. I've got a, uh, I've got a prayer journal in my iPad. Um, in my quiet times, I, I, use, I use the Vision Bible app, and I use the Evernote note app, and I'm consistently cutting and pasting and and cut, a, uh, paste, cut and paste the scripture into my prayer journal and I type. And just recently, I'm, I'm also a bit of a Marvel movie fan. And just recently, I was, I was, there was a, some of the word that had just come to life to me. And I cut it and pasted it into my prayer journal. 
And uh, I, I kind of had this God marvel moment, marveling in God. Um, and you know, what I, you know what I saw? This is what I saw. And this is literally what I typed. God, when I read your word, I kind of see this liquid carbon fiber wrapping itself around me, kind of like a second skin or a suit of armor. That sounds really good, God. A suit of armor made of liquid carbon fiber that's laced with your word and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I like that, God. Amen. <laughs> it's kind of cool, eh? It's like, when I, I kind of, I feel like that when I've read the word, and this has been my prayer for weeks and weeks now. God, when I read your word, it's kind of like, in my, in my head, I've got a suit that's even better than Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. I mean, he goes, and it goes, click, 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 over his face. Me, I just stand there, and I go, And I go, thank you, Jesus. I'm ready for the day. <clears throat> and it's all the word of God. I love that. That's not even in my notes. <laughs> you know, when Jesus, when Jesus left us, he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to send, my father's going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. When he left and the Holy Spirit came to earth, he's our helper. He's our advocate. He's the spirit of truth truth and revelation. It's like it is God with us that gives us the power to live today. There's no alternative. And guess what? Even Jesus didn't have an alternative. He lived exactly the same way as I'm just teaching right now. John chapter 5, verse 19 from the Passion Translation says this. So Jesus said, I speak to you eternal truth. The son is unable to do anything for himself or through his own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing for the son does the same works as his father. Even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Empowering within him. Jesus did not hide behind fancy titles, walls of institutions, political offices, or even temples. Instead, Jesus gave through the Holy Spirit, He gave us power to live today. God's power flows in the marketplace, on the streets, and in the homes of ordinary people for abundant life. Come on, Celia, let it go. <laughs> do, you know how, do you know how fortunate your neighbors are to live next door to you? Because of the power of God that's in you and in your home and overflowing your fence. If it's not, I'm okay, I'm gonna get my preach on now. <laughs> Come on, guys. The word of God says that you are the living temple of the power, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. I mean, do you wander around your property and pray blessings over the fence? While you're throwing all the kids' soccer balls and jet planes and things back across the fence and the occasional branch that they cut off a tree and dropped on your side of the fence and, and some of their rubbish and beer cans and you know, just kind of like Holy Spirit grenades. Get them, God! Sometimes it's on the back porch. Bazooka, get them, God! Sorry. God's power flows in the marketplace, on the streets, and in the homes of ordinary people for abundant life. I have come that you might have life, and that 
Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jesus' life was the most exceptional example of how to live with power today. Instead of representing the rigid immobility of brick-and-mortar temples made by man, Jesus taught his followers how to live with the ebb and the flow of society and to immerse the marketplace with the good news. Bringing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world. So, like I said, that we're going to look at some practice this morning. Three, we're going to, I'm going to give you three practices that you can build into your lives, and by doing so, it will build power, love, and self-discipline, the power to live today. Are you ready? Every one of these is not fresh revelation. <laughs> just let me qualify that right now. I didn't just get this from God last night. All right? Here's the first one. Prayer and worship. Prayer and worship are keys to sabotaging the work of the enemy in your life and your access to God and His Holy Spirit. What we just did, what you can do in your own home, they are the portal of bringing heaven to earth. I, the new song that we sang, Joy, there's, oh, House of the Lord, oh. One of these days, <laughs> I was kind of holding back this morning. Maybe I shouldn't have, but you know, I just like, there are some dance moves that go with that song that if I did them, you'd say, please take your meds. <laughs> I could just see some, oh my goodness, there is, how can you sing that and be boring? But just a heads up, worship team, we're going to do it at the end, okay? <laughs> oh no. One step at a time, honey. One step at a time. I'm not a dancer. Well, not while anyone's watching anyway. <laughs> you know, they say, sing like no one's, sings like no one can hear you and dance like no one's watching. Yeah, except for the cat. And the cat just goes, mm. <laughs> Prayer and worship, you know what? You cannot do enough of either. Now, let me, let me qualify when I say worship. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be music. It's just one of the ways that I do it. It can be poetry. It can be painting. It can be dancing. It can be carpentry. It can be gardening. It can be simply sitting with your child, loving on them and the power of the Holy Spirit. It could be standing across the other side of the room, staring at your wife, having heart palpitations because she is drop-dead gorgeous and you know God gave her to you. Some enchanted is me. <laughs> I just got a look that says, move along. <laughs> okay, I saw the look. <laughs> if our, in our prayer... In, in our prayer, we acknowledge the real and the evident. Come on, let's, okay, let's just be, let's just, let's, let's be real. We don't want to ignore or overlook what's going on in our lives, okay? So in our prayer, we acknowledge the real and the evident, but in acknowledging the real and the evident and the current, we should always look at that through the lens of a real and a present and a relevant God. His name is Jesus Christ. And in that... 
in, that, in, our, in our prayer, we also then begin to worship. And in our worship, it leads us to prayer. And as we pray, it leads us to worship. And as we worship, it leads us to prayer. They go together. We need to stay humble. We need to stay hungry. And I want you to get this. If you're taking notes, do not lose your fascination with God himself. We worship the creator, not the creation. Make God your goal, not just a means to reach your goals. Seek first. I call this the 633 principle. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he will add all these things. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we prayer and worship? And whilst we're acknowledging the real and the, the, the evident, we bring it through the lens of the current and relevant God. Okay, you know, in the world, I was talking with someone today, not today, sorry, this week, and we were talking about this very thing, another pastor. And um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the psychological, psychiatry, counseling world out there, they call this positive cognitive therapy. Positive cognitive behavioral therapy. But you know what the Bible calls it? Good practice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. That is good practice. Have an attitude of gratitude. First and foremost, change your language from I have to to I get to. Change it from I have to to I get to. Because that changes the way you look at it. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Good practice. Best practice. In actual fact, for your homework, I suggest, I strongly encourage you to read the whole of Colossians chapter 3. Because in that whole chapter, it speaks into behaviors, it speaks into mindsets, it speaks into actions. Okay, so good practice number one is prayer and worship. Good practice number two. Straight out of the Bible. Behave yourself. Behave yourself. Behave your way out of and into. In many pastoral sessions that I have had uh, in, in the time that I've been leading this church, I've literally had to speak into people's actual everyday life behaviors. Many, many people, in actual fact, not many, all of us, all of us are in the place that we are in right now because we have literally behaved ourselves into that place. What is your behavior? Almost too easy, isn't it? Do you behave yourself? Yes, every one of us behaves ourselves. We behave ourselves into our current situation. 
And, you know, this is not some wonderful revelation that I got just last night. This actually is straight out of the Bible. John the Baptist is baptizing people, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees all come down to watch with judgment and mockery. And he starts off this particular passage as, you brood of vipers. It's like, oh, that's pretty strong. But this is what he says in Matthew 3, chapter 3, verse 8. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way you live. What is that? That's behave. That's behavior. Now, this is challenging for sure. I, I, I know it is. Because uh, there are some people that I've worked with, and they, they've, they've come to a realization that they're in a bad place. And I said, how many years of behavior have brought you here? And they're they, oh, 30 years. Ends an O. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's, by faith, let's pray. Let's make some adjustments. Let's set out a plan and let's pray and believe that it'll only take you a quarter of that length of time to come out. You see, you don't just stop something, you replace it. The word repent is it's, it's a word out of the Bible, but it's an actual, it's, it's a cognitive, it's a behavioral, it's, a, it's a, an intellectual word. It literally means you stop walking this way, you stop, you turn, and you start walking this way. Behave. I was reading the Bible this week, carrying what I'm teaching this morning in my spirit. And in, my, in one of my daily devotion times, I was reading in the book of Mark, and I was like, ouch. Mark chapter 1, verse 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, diseases and he cast out many team, demons. But because the demons knew who he was... He did not allow them to speak. Did you get that? Did, did you get that? Because the demons knew who he was. And I was like, well, of course, he's the son of God. The, spirit recognize, you know, the spiritual world recognized the spiritual world. Da, 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 da. But I just couldn't get it. Was like this, it was like a God bungee cord. He's going, no, no, son, you haven't got it yet. Come back. But yeah, no, come back. Come back, and I sat there, and I was. I, the more I came back to it, the more challenged I became. And I wrote this in my prayer journal: Is my relationship with God such that those around me recognize Jesus in me? Let me put it this way: If I was put on trial for being a believer, would there be enough evidence to get a conviction? I want you to think about that. The demons recognized Jesus for who he was. What does the scripture say? They shall know that you are my disciples because of your love one for another. What is, what is your behavior like? What is our behavior like? What is my behavior like? Now, please, <laughs> just because I'm teaching this doesn't mean I got it right all the time. <laughs> but I'm so challenged by this. So challenged by this. Sometimes the next step into freedom and powerful living is not just a spiritual thing, but it's actually a behavioral thing. Let me give you an example. Um, I start virtually every day, virtually every day, 
with a cup of coffee and my Bible. A little while ago, or just two or three weeks ago, um, uh, I can't remember if it was a Saturday or a Monday, I was, I was having a bit of a sleep in, and um, no, it wasn't. It was, it, was, it was a Friday. It was a Friday because I had an 8 o'clock breakfast appointment, and um, I, had, uh, I gave myself permission to have a slow start on the Friday because it had been a titanic week. Anyway, so I was, I was asleep at quarter past eight. I had an eight o'clock breakfast appointment. My phone went bzz, 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 next to the bed and the guy that I was meeting, all it said was, morning, Tom. <laughs> and I was like, Duh! you know, you've seen that cartoon where, where uh, Speedy Gonzalez or whatever, you know, it's like, that was my morning. I was out the door inside 10 minutes. Uh, that was showered, dressed, um, gone. Um, guess what? I hadn't had my coffee or the, or the word. That day was horrible. I just, I just couldn't get focus. I couldn't get direction. It was like I tried to do something. I was like, eh, eh, something fell off. You know why? I hadn't had breakfast. I hadn't had breakfast. Sometimes it's a behavioral thing. Is reading your Bible every day spiritual? Yes. Is reading your Bible every day behavioral? Yes. Yes, it is. It's a decision. It's not just spiritual, and it's not just behavioral. It's both and. We will go to a place... Okay, so we've, we've looked at prayer and worship. We've looked at behavior. So how do we empower both the natural and the spiritual? Well, I've just shared with you. Here's good practice number three. Read and study the Bible. In today's opinion-filled airways where everyone is an expert in something and there is more information than you can poke a stick at, we need to go to the one thing that will never waver, the one thing that will never change, and that is the living truth himself. The challenge we face is to shift our lens from what we don't have to what we do have, and we have the Word of God. If we want to have power to live today, we need to focus on the one who commands the day, Jesus himself. Now, wait a minute. You might go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't you just say, read and study the Bible, and yet you're saying go to Jesus? Yes, I did, because in doing so, you will connect with Jesus. Let me show you. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Go to the Word every day. Go to Him every day. So I'm speaking into power for living today, and I'm surprised I'm surprised at the bold conclusions that many believers have come to that are actually sucking the power out of and inducing fear, not hope, into other people's lives. They're not actually leading people to Jesus, and most of their conclusions are actually biblically incorrect. So, I've been speaking with a good friend this week, a man I trust, a man of God I trust. His name's David Peters. Many of you know him. And what I'm about to share with you is a practical example of what I've just taught about reading and studying the Bible. 
What I'm about to share with you is a combination of David's studies, of my studies, of a conversation with David and the conclusions that we have both come to and we both agree on. So I'm going to step out onto a very tenuous thin branch this morning and I'm going to address a very current fear that is circulating the world. And in doing this, I want to show you that when we know what the Bible says, we can live with power, love, and a sound mind and self-discipline today. So here we go. I have to drink water. (laughs) I have been asked by many people, and these people are Christians, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? When we read and we study the Bible, then we will see that it is not, and why it is not. Revelation chapter 13 speaks of a person, a being, and the name that that individual is given is the beast, arising from the sea. Some theologians have ascertained that this rising from the sea is an is a imagery of the sea of humanity. He is empowered by Satan to become a global ruler. Not only does, he, does, not only does the world accept his rule, but it actually worships him. So Revelation 13 verses 3 and 4 says this, The whole world gave allegiance to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast. Now, in the same chapter, a bit further on, in verse 11, it describes that another beast arises, performing counterfeit miraculous signs that deceive the whole world. He enforces the worship of the first beast by executing anyone who won't do so, and by requiring everyone to take a mark on their forehead or on their right hand. Revelations 13, verses 16 to 18 reads this way. And he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one can buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. His number is 666. The point is that taking the mark of the beast clearly involves worshipping the beast. It clearly involves worshipping someone that the world already knows exists and is already leading the world. Such a mark cannot be accidentally taken, and current world conditions, even with the COVID pandemic that we are all having to deal with, they do not match what the Bible describes. On the top of this, the vaccine is not being administered to the forehead or the right hand. And on top of that, like I just said, the beast is, does the world know who he is yet? Answer, no. And actually, if you read the scriptures, not only is the beast already in power, but the false prophet, so we've got the antichrist and the false prophet, according to the scriptures, are both well known. We've got this false prophet running around the world doing all sorts of signs and wonders that are not empowered or sanctioned by God. Neither of those two things have happened yet. So based on the Bible, choosing to have the COVID vaccine is not in any way taking the mark of the beast. Now, having unpacked that, I also believe that seeing the control that the governments are exerting over their nations around the world right now during this pandemic, it can certainly give an indication of how easily nations will eventually allow the beast 
called the Antichrist to come to power and rule the world. Very, very easily. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to go, oh, so this is how they get everyone to follow. Now, there is another mark. And most Christians don't talk about this other mark. Now, I'm going to, t- I'm going to bring this to you now, straight out of the Bible, to give you hope. There is another mark not seen and not widely understood. And I believe that it is being released at this time, and we should be even more aware of that one than the mark of the beast. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet reveals, and this is what he says in Ezekiel 9 verse 4, he said to the angel, walk through the streets of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of all who weep and sigh because of the detestable sins being committed in their city. Throughout history, God has marked those who grieve concerning the moral and the spiritual state of their nation. They are the ones who pray for a godly spiritual awakening in their nations and in the world. If, if you want power to live today, if you want to be able to walk with certainty, with power, love, and a sound mind, or power, love, and self-discipline, then these three practices, let our praise and worship, and let our godly behavior and let our understanding of the word become a life-filled and empowered thing with God's grace as we intercede for our nation and the nations of the world. Let us bring, let us bring the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world. I want to suggest this morning that if you want to have power to live today, then three practices, prayer and worship, behavior, reading and studying the Word of God, and in doing so, let God mark you. Does it mean that these things are not going to happen? No, not at all. They are going to happen. It's written in the Word of God. But you do not need to live in life-debilitating fear when Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Worship team, would you come, please? Allow God to mark you. If there's one mark we should gladly pursue, it should be the mark of God, and only God himself can order that mark to be put on you. And how does it come? Through prayer and worship. Through behaving. Prove today that you have repented. And by studying the word of God. I... One of the greatest burdens that Suze and I have as pastors of a church is that we can love on people, we can walk with people, we can care with people, and myself and my preaching team, we get somewhere between 20 and 40 minutes on a Sunday morning to deliver you the Word of God once a week. And you've heard me say this, seven days without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K. I challenge you to have one meal, one meal a week, and see if you can cope with it. Most people don't even have one meal a month. I kind of, kind of feel like I'm getting my dad anointing on me right now. <laughs> Come on, kids. Would you read your word? Would you spend time soaking in the presence of God? Would you spend time bringing, bringing the real and the current and the evident to him in prayer? 
let his spirit soak over you. Let his spirit soak into you. That out of that, you begin to worship and your prayer life will change. And out of that anointing of Christ on your lives, your behavior will change. And out of that, the word of God will come alive to you. And you'll get your liquid carbon super suit. <laughs> and in that, when we get together, it means there is joy in the house of the Lord. Amen.